What's up, Law Nation? Welcome to the Passive Income Attorney Podcast, your favorite place for learning about the world of alternative passive investments so that you can have more freedom, flexibility, and fun. Now, if you're ready to kick that billable hour to the curb, start by going to attorneybydesign.com to download the Freedom Blueprint. This will also get you access to opportunities to partner with us on one of our next passive real estate investments. We'd love to get you on board and help you on your way to financial freedom. All right, today, let's talk about those two magical words, financial freedom. What is financial freedom? What does it mean to you? Mathematically, I think that most people would define it as the amount that you need to make from your passive investments to cover your living expenses, or for some, perhaps replace your active income. Um, but at the heart of it, you know, it's really about time and time freedom, the ability to do what you want, when you want, to make your own schedule, to enjoy your morning, to sleep in, to travel, to relax. That's what it's all about. When we start creating passive income streams together, those ACH deposits in your bank account represent parcels of time. No one understands this concept better than our guest of honor today, Ali Boone. Formerly an aerospace engineer, Ali Boone is an entrepreneur, real estate investor, author, and real estate investing coach. After leaving her nine to five to pursue ultimate freedom through entrepreneurship, her company Hipster Investments managed to facilitate over $18 million in real estate transactions. She was a longtime writer for Bigger Pockets and has been featured in The Motley Fool, Fox Business, Business Insider, Investopedia, and U.S. News. All right, let's go. This is the Passive Income Attorney Podcast, where you'll discover the secrets and strategies of the ultra-wealthy on how they build streams of passive income to give them the freedom we all want. Attorney Seth Bradley will help you end the cycle of trading your time for money so you can make money while you sleep. Start living the good life on your own terms. Now, here's your host, Seth Bradley. Allie Boone, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Um, well, let's just jump right in. You know, what's your story? Uh, dive right in and just take it back as far as you want to take it. Well, see, it all happened when I was born. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the short of my story is I grew up with, I feel like a very typical mindset, go to school, get good grades, get a secure job, go to college, get a secure job, retire when you're 65, that whole like what you should do type of thing. So I did that for a long time. I ended up getting a master's degree in aerospace engineering because hello, what better secure job than that? I've been flying planes before that. So it seemed like a natural transition. I was like, this is certainly what I want to do. This will be great. And I, the famous story that I tell all the time is I got the dream job, right? Like, so I got my first big girl job. It was a corporate engineering job. And I, someone was leading me into my first cubicle and I turned the corner into my cubicle and I just looked at it and I was like, this isn't going to work. I knew it. I was like, Oh no, I've just been in school for like nine years. And I was like, I hate it. I hadn't even sat down in the chair. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, this isn't going to work. So from that minute on, before I even sat in a chair for the next five years, I was just trying to find my way out because I knew I didn't want to work for someone. I kind of knew that probably since I was a kid, but I didn't want to work for somebody. Turns out engineering, while I have engineering tendencies for sure, and I can still make a mean spreadsheet, it, it's not really my thing. 
And so, but I also, you know, I had some, I had cool skills and I could fly planes. I could do engineering stuff. I could do all this, but like, what does that get you as far as getting out of corporate? And I was like, now how am I going to get out of here? So I spent the next five years just diving into anything I could find, reading books. I, I wasn't a huge internet person at the time, like, you know, just piddling around the internet, like anything, like what is going to get me out of here? And I had finally narrowed it down just based on what I was reading. It's like, I'm either going to have to start a business or get into real estate investing somehow. I don't know what that looks like, but those seem to be the two things that can get somebody out of a nine to five. So I had actually decided to go the business route. I don't know what kind of business. And because I had subscribed to every newsletter under the sun, I got a notification about a random invest of real estate investing opportunity without even thinking about it. I just kind of dove into that. I was like, well, I'll look into that a little bit. You know, I've got a paycheck. Might as well do something smart with it while I build whatever this business is to get me out of here. And one thing led to another where the people I met, the opportunities that came up, that's kind of what got me going in terms of what I, which I'm sure we'll talk about more later, what I ended up doing, but that's kind of the path that got me out. And so it's like, people are like, well, how'd you get into real estate investing? I'm like, well, it kind of fell in my lap, but that sounds like I didn't work for it. I literally spent five years trying to figure it out. And so that it was kind of an organic exit. And so I started kind of a side business at the time. And eventually that got so big that I was able to leave the nine to five. So for the last uh, nine years, I guess, I've been uh, doing real estate investing, helping other people do it and doing it myself. And it's been great. So it's like, I kind of ended up with the business and the real estate all at the same time. That's awesome. Awesome. Lots to unpack there. Um, so it sounds like you had your aha moment before you even got started. I mean, you walked in oh, yeah. and you saw that cubicle and that was your aha moment. So you didn't have I, to. I think I had my aha <laughs> moment when I came out of the womb. I just didn't really totally know it. <laughs> right. You just in didn't hindsight, take action it's like, oh it. yeah, that was never going to work. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I have the same feeling. I, I went to school for 11 years, uh, went to med mm -hmm. school, got my MBA, went to law school and did all that. But at the same time, I just felt like I was always just searching for whatever that was. And I think it was, you know, in general, it was entrepreneurship. Um, and eventually yeah. found real estate. But um, it sounds like you kind of had that same thing in the back of your head ever since yeah. you were born, trying to figure out what that was. And that seeing that cubicle was just kind of the, you know, the, the, the little push that puts you over the edge. And you're like, all right, I've yeah. got to yeah. figure out what this is. Yeah. And it's, you know, you're fighting society's messages the whole time. And I feel like I, not to say I'm the last generation that got this message, but I feel like the kids today, I sound so old, you know, there's, I think it's more obvious to people that you don't have to go the typical route, the grades school, you know, it's like, oh, the entrepreneurs, the, you know, tech people, you know, whatever they're doing, but like me growing up, I still had all that messaging. And so it's like, part of me knew this, but then this other part of me heard, it's like, wait, can't follow this. Cause this is what the world is saying I'm supposed to be doing. So it's, it was that kind of, you know, we all grew up with trying to figure out, okay, what is actually me versus what everyone else is telling me? But it was that whole thing of trying to kind of navigate that of like, wait, I don't have to listen to that. What am I talking about? Yeah. It's really a mindset shift, right? I mean, you have, you Huge. have these, these messages just, you know, hammered into your head when you're a kid and growing yeah. up and, and get a job, work nine to five, retire when you're 65, mm -hmm. you know, all that kind of That'll stuff. Be great. Yeah. And you just kind of go along with it because you just think that that's fact. That's the only way there is. And then eventually you're like, wait a minute, mm -hmm. there, there's a different way we can do this. And it seems like a lot, yeah. a lot better path. Yeah, for sure. So what, what kind of side business did you initially go into? Well, it, it was actually the business that I do now. So one of the, the original investment opportunity that showed up in my inbox was different 
But through that, I met a bunch of people who at the time, so this was 2000, uh, 2011, right in the middle of the crash and turnkey rental properties had become huge. Like the model existed for a long time, but in the crash turnkeys, really people started hearing about them. So the people who were involved in this particular investment were also in involved in turnkeys. So I had heard about them and I was like, eh, whatever. But at the time, one of the biggest markets was Atlanta and I'm from Atlanta originally. And so the people knew that and they were like, hey, just so you know, you know, the next big market is Atlanta. I was like, oh, I know Atlanta. I want Atlanta. Wait, tell me about this turnkey thing again. And turnkeys really roped me in because it was hands off. Like I had looked right. into buying fixer uppers and doing all the stereotypical real estate investing stuff. But like, I mean, I'm smart. I could figure out swinging hammers and rehabbing it. But like, it, I don't really want to. I wasn't looking to leave one job to start another job. And so these turnkeys appealed to me because I was like, wait a minute. I only have to do due diligence and then the property is just there. I was like, sweet. That's my, that's my jam. Like, tell me more. And the deals were so good in Atlanta at the time. So I started buying turnkeys for myself again, just because it's like, well, while I have this corporate paycheck, while I can get a mortgage, let's do something smart with the money while I figure my way out. And what happened was I was so excited about these stupid turnkeys. I was telling everybody who would listen and they're like, wait, tell me more about this turnkey. I want a turnkey. And so like my mom's friend ended up buying one, my cousin bought one. And so like, just accidentally the word of mouth started spreading, but then people were coming to me saying, well, you know, what turnkey provider are you buying through? And da, 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 da. And I started writing about my experiences online and bigger pockets picked me up as a writer. And so I ended up writing for bigger pockets and that brought this whole big audience base to me. And next thing I knew I was helping everybody buy turnkeys, connect them with the providers, help them through the buying process, all of that. So that really became a side hustle. And I was like, well, actually backtrack. So I was doing it for free. And eventually some of the turnkey guys came to me and said, you know, Hey, if you get your real estate license, we can legally pay you referral fees. And I was like, you mean get paid for what I'm already doing? Okay. seems like fun side money. Still brainiac, not putting two and two together that this could become a business. And Eventually I woke up one morning and I was like, Hey, wait a minute. Real estate agents make a living. I'm basically doing real <laughs> estate agent stuff. Is this it? And it built so fast and it snowballed so quickly. That's what I ended up leaving corporate to do. And it's literally what I've been doing for the last 10 years is helping people buy turnkeys. And some of that shifted where I still do that, but I also do like real estate coaching, business consulting. So it's not just the turnkeys, but for the most part, the turnkeys have been the big thing for the last decade, which Sounds crazy to say. Awesome. Awesome. What, what was that transition like kind of stepping up, finally stepping away from your, you know, full-time W2 and just taking that, taking that leap and saying, you know what, I've, I've got enough going on here. I'm going to run this business. And this is, this is my career now. You know, it kind of felt like jumping into the ocean and hoping to God your snorkel is airtight. <laughs> <laughs> and occasionally there was a leak <laughs> and yeah. uh, it was a little bit twofold for me. Like there was something inside of me that knew I didn't have a choice. Like this was, this was not an option. This was, there was no option for me to stay in corporate because it's just not in my nature. And so on one hand, it's like, I'm going in. And one of the best things that I did leading up to this was I had read so many books, like a lot of the Robert Kiyosaki books, um, all this stuff with mindset. I needed those mindset messages in order to survive this because when things would happen, I was like, oh, I remember reading about that. And this is normal. Like, Oh, thank God it's normal. Okay, cool. And so I kind of had prepped myself for it mindset wise, not to say it wasn't hard when the challenges happened. Cause you know, for someone who was a pilot and engineer, 
which translates to being in control of everything in your life and suddenly nothing's in control. You know, it was humbling, still learning those lessons. Um, but those mindset messages really helped. So on one hand, it was like, I knew I had to do this. I was excited. Like, let's do this. On the other hand, it was, I mean, talk about eating a slice of humble pie. Like the first year, I didn't know where my next rent payment was coming from. I didn't know when the income was coming in. And again, for someone who had been in control of everything, I had never had to worry about my rent payment before. And I was like, wow, okay. And the one thing that I knew during that first year, I made, I think I made a grand total of 27 or $29,000 that year, like living in LA, not helpful <laughs> at oh, all. Yeah. Um, but the one thing that I was saying about that year is that I had never been more stressed, but I had also never been happier either because that stress was, I say, I wasn't in control. That wasn't my control. It was my kind of stress. It wasn't the stress where I go to corporate and have everyone else's stress and stress about doing stuff for other people. This was my stress. This was my project. I got to dictate my own schedule. I got to make all of the decisions on my own. Every decision I made for my business was mine. And so I had never, I had never also never been more broke. It's like, I'd never been more broke, but I've also never been happier. And so it's kind of a, it's, it's a two, it was a twofold, um, I was about to say challenge, but a twofold situation of on one hand, it was absolutely the best thing I've ever done. I loved every single minute of it. On the other hand, first year of entrepreneurship, like I hope to God that snorkels airtight. Yeah. <laughs> and it's probably not actually, that's the thing. <laughs> it's like, there's a very good chance it is not airtight. So it's like, oh, what am I going to do with the water when it gets in my goggles? Cool. 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 Right. And drown a little over here. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> no, no worries at all. Don't worry about me over here. Just drowning. Just um, drowning. Don't, yeah. don't mind me. At that time, did you have enough like turnkeys of your own to generate enough income to, to nope. sustain yourself or you just took the leap? No, I, I bought as many as I could because I knew the minute I walked out of the corporate job, I wasn't going to have a W-2 anymore, which meant no mortgage. Yeah. And so I tried to get as many as I could. And I actually, if I had had a choice, I, of course I had a choice, but certain logistics were an issue where if I could have stayed longer, I would have kept buying them because I had also at that point partnered with somebody. So I was able to buy a lot pretty quickly. And so I could have kept going that route. And we even had one property under contract that was supposed to close. I was literally waiting to walk out the corporate door, waiting on this property to close. I can't remember what the delays were, but we ended up shifting over to private financing because the situation I was in was I was an aerospace engineer and at that time, I was working as a top secret flight test engineer, which meant Monday through Thursday or Monday through Friday, I was out at a top secret location, meaning I didn't have a lot of access to the real world. And there was like one unclassified computer where after hours, I could kind of chug away at my real estate stuff. But it became an issue of I just it, it wasn't like I went home every night and I could work on it then. I was kind of trapped and it's like either I'm going to stay with this job or I'm going to do real estate because at this point I can't do enough of the real estate to really build it. So in my mind, I kind of jumped ship a little earlier than I would have if it had been a normal situation where I could have come home every night, worked on it then, I would have bought more properties, I would have built up a bigger savings account, I would have prepped a little better for this, but I was kind of trapped where I'm either going to have to quit or not built the real estate business. Like there was no doing them both at the same time. So I, that was the other part of that humble pie is I did not prepare well for this. I was like, yeah, but Robert Kiyosaki says like, if you're not making enough money, it'll just light the fire under you. And I was like, oh, that's, that was actually accurate. It was very yeah. accurate, but I'm sure I shaved a few years off my life as well. 
Yeah. Well, it all worked out, right? I mean, you yeah. kind of got to that breaking point where you're like, okay, I just, you know, the constraints of your job just would not yeah. allow you to grow that business. And you knew that yeah. that was the way out. So you just had yeah. to make that decision and, and go for it. And there's some faith in that. It's like, I'm literally jumping in that deep end, just hoping to God it's going to work. I didn't know how it was going to work. And this, this was the part of the humbling part for an engineer and a pilot. You know how things are going to work out. Like, you know how to make them work out. I couldn't make this work out. So it really was kind of a surrender and hope. Like, ugh, all I can do is the best that I can do every single day and just trust that this, I was about to say this yelling inside of me, this calling inside of me is for a reason. And it, and it worked out. Awesome. Awesome. So let's rewind a little bit um, for the folks out there that don't know about the turnkey investment model or even what that is. I mean, what mm -hmm. is it just from the basic level? Yeah. So the turnkey, the term by itself, the metaphor is like you stick the key in the door, turn it, and you're making cash flow on day one. Technically, turnkey refers to the um, condition of the property in terms of it's a rehab, it's fully rehabbed. Uh, in most cases, there's tenants in it ready to go, and there's property managers on standby to manage it. So it technically refers to the condition of a property. You could buy a turnkey property next door to you. It basically, it means it's rent ready. It's ready for you to stick the key in the door and make money. No rehab necessary, no drama, any of that kind of stuff. Most of the time when I'm talking about turnkey properties, and most of the time when other people are talking about turnkey properties, they're talking about turnkey properties in turnkey condition that are sold from turnkey providers. So these companies in certain markets where it makes sense, they go out in bulk and buy distressed properties, they rehab them in bulk, they place tenants, they have property managers on standby. So again, you could buy a turnkey property next door to you. But for the most part, from the investing strategy standpoint, when people are talking about it, they're buying from turnkey providers. So these companies are selling these properties. They're essentially glorified flippers. They're just doing it in bulk, flipping them off to investors. But the advantage to you is you're about as hands-off as you can get buying actual property. And I used to tell people, and I have an ebook that calls them hands-off rental properties. I learned pretty early on, don't people take that way too literally because they're like, oh, it'll work perfect. And they just buy the property. They don't participate at all. And it's like, uh Oh, like it's, it's as hands-off as you can get. You still have to do due diligence. You should still do due diligence. You've got to keep a, you know, one eye open on the property manager, like be willing to be the boss on the property and do what you need to. But other than that, someone's doing the rehab for you. Someone's placing the tenant, someone's managing it for you. So if you're a long distance buyer or you have a corporate job and five kids and you don't have time to deal with real estate investing, it comes in handy at that point. Yeah. And a lot of our listeners are highly paid W-2s. They work long hours. This sounds like a really good investment strategy yeah. for someone like that. Yeah. And I'll be honest, of course, everything is going to have a downside. So the downside to the turnkeys is for the most part, in most cases, you're going to pay about market value and where that, so they are more expensive, but duh, <laughs> the work's done for you. Like, hello. And what people complain about turnkeys is the typical real estate investing model from a rental property perspective is the value add idea or the Burr model, where you buy the distressed property, you do the work to increase, you know, you force appreciation. That's like free money to you. Great. All of that is phenomenal. That is an absolute amazing model. But what a lot of people who whine about turnkeys and they're like, no, you should only value add. If you're not value adding, what are you doing? You're not making money. Okay, well, that's great for the people who it works for. But like you said, if you're a high paid W-2, like doctors, for example, do tell when a doctor is going to have time to go rehab the property and 
do all of this work, it just doesn't make sense in every case. And so, yeah, if you can value add, great. But I feel like there's so many people who are skipping over value adding doesn't work for everybody. And the, the high paid W2 individuals, chances are they're working a lot. And, you know, everyone's like, well, you're going to pay so much more for a turnkey. I'm sorry, if you try and value add and you're that busy and you don't totally know what you're doing, you're probably going to spend as much as you would have with the turnkey when you goober everything up. And so it's, you know, it's that, that's the message I want to get to people is turnkeys are not for everybody, but they are for a heck of a lot of people who don't realize they have that option and that it's a perfectly fine option. Right. Yeah. I mean, your returns might not be as high, but you're right. not really doing much. That's when well, you're not trading your time. That's exactly. the other thing with the value, the Burr model or rehab or whatever. Like, don't forget. Yeah. You're getting higher returns, hopefully, but don't forget that part of that is trading your time. So it's like, are you actually getting higher returns or are you getting paid for your time? And in my case, sanity, I, like <laughs> that, like there's no price tag on sanity in my mind. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And if exactly the sanity, trying to manage those contractors, especially from a distance when you're trying to do a quote unquote yeah. HGTV fix and flip, which it's never as easy as they no. make it seem. It's really difficult. It's yeah. really difficult. And it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort behind it. And especially yeah. when you're, you're working a crazy hours as a doctor or a yeah. lawyer, you just don't have time for that. I, I tried yeah. that when I was working in Big Law and it didn't work. <laughs> no, it's from the time and sanity perspective. It's like, yeah. even if I could squeak out a couple hours to deal with this, you know, as a doctor, lawyer, whatever, you're already, your brain is tapped. <laughs> like, yeah. It's not like you're doing a brainless job during the day and you're like, I have so much energy to dedicate to this rehab. Like no, and, and even so long distance is big. You know, you and I live in California. It doesn't make sense. You can't buy for cash flow here. So you can do out of state stuff. But like, I have a duplex local to me here in Venice beach and I'm the landlord because it's a mile from me. I can't really justify a property manager. And when I bought that property, it was mostly rent ready. Like we've had to do some small stuff, but even the small stuff, not a full rehab. And I'm a mile from it. I hate going out to meet contractors because it's always on their schedule. They're always late. They cancel. They don't tell you like it, even the most minor stuff is like, like, I, I don't want that, you know? So yeah, it's, it's such a mindset. And I wish more people or I should say, I wish less people bash the turnkey model. It's not perfect. No strategy is. There's pros and cons to it. But the people who value add is great for, great. But again, I feel like it leaves out a whole chunk of people who could benefit where it's like, they're either going to go turnkey or do nothing. If those are your two options, like is turnkey really that bad? You're going to be making cash flow every month. You're, you know, the long-term returns on a rental property are huge, especially with inflation going like it is right now. So it's, it's far from a loss and the returns can be phenomenal. Yeah. And again, it's the time investment, right? I mean, yeah. you're not putting a lot of time into it. It's yeah. literally being served on a platter for you. So that's yeah. the advantage there. Going back to the contracts, I feel like they all go to the same excuse school. Like, yeah, they do. Like, literally, I'll be talking to the next one <laughs> residential contractors. I can put them in a different category than commercial contractors. But same excuse school. I love that. Yeah. I mean, they'll, they'll come up with, it'll, they'll be halfway down a sentence for an excuse. So I'm like, I already know what you're going to say. Like, yeah. I, I, I know this game. This, I know, I know where this is going. <laughs> Yeah. So let's switch. Uh, let's change subjects a little bit. Let's switch to a little bit of mindset. So yeah, my you know, favorite. Yeah. So you know, let's start out. What What does financial freedom mean to you now that you've kind of stepped away from your W two? Um, you've got your your side business and your your investments. You know what What does it mean to you to be financially free at this point? 
Well, when I think of financial freedom, I think of two different things. One, the literal definition of it is all of your expenses are covered by passive income. So you now have enough passive income to cover your expenses. So you are technically financially free, meaning you don't have to work for, you know, to cover your expenses. The more exciting definition for me and what it really means in my life is financial free. Somebody actually, I can't claim stake on this. It was actually a podcast I was on one time and the host said this and I was like, oh my God, that's genius. When people talk about financial freedom, yeah, they're talking about getting enough passive income to cover their expenses, but what they're really talking about is time freedom. I mean, if you think about it, what does financial freedom get you? time freedom. It's like the, if you think of the little couple who retires at 65 and they hop in their RV and they can go see the grandkids when they want, they can travel when they want, and they're just piddling all around because retirement's great. That is financial freedom because it's time freedom. Nobody cares. Like my theory is nobody actually cares about actual financial freedom. We just think that we do. But what we all want, I assume, what I want and what pretty much everyone I talk to actually wants is what financial freedom gets you, which is time freedom, location freedom, whatever freedom you want to talk about. So it's like lifestyle design type of thing. So that's what I, you know, and I encourage people to think about it that way, because if you're only ever focused on the dollar amount, like, well, I need $5,000 in passive income. Yeah, true. But also too, you can think about it a couple different ways, but like, first of all, keeping your motivation intact because financial freedom is not super easy. So you want to remember why you're getting in the first place. But when I left my corporate job, I, I think I was, I think I had just turned 30 at the time. And I was telling everyone, I was like, I just retired at 30. I didn't have enough income to cover all my expenses, especially since I was in LA. But what I had gained was freedom. I could go skiing when I want. I could sleep in when I wanted. I could work when I wanted. I could work when I didn't want. I created this like a lifestyle design business, if you will, where I only need the internet to work. I can work when I want. And obviously I had to work quite a bit in the beginning, but it was still on my schedule. And I was like, wait a minute, I'm not actually financially free, but I'm kind of acting like it. So do you really need financial freedom to get, maybe it depends on, you know, what your setup is, but that's what I think about with financial freedom is the bigger picture of what is that actually getting you? And that, that I feel like changes people's perspectives on, Oh, you're right. That's okay. That's, that's kind of what we're working for here. Yeah. Yeah. It's not about the money. It's about no. the, the time. It's about the, the flexibility in your schedule yep. and your time. I don't know about you, but I work a lot of hours, but at yep. the same time it's for myself. Yep. And if I needed to clear my schedule in the morning or clear my schedule in the afternoon or take yep. a week off, I could do it because I yep. have the flexibility, exactly. flexibility to do so. Yep. Yeah. And I used to like, I, 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 so I work a lot, but I'm a night owl, for example, chances are I am, there's a way higher chance that I'm working at midnight rather than noon. I'm not a morning person at all. So like I wake up, everyone's like, tell me about your morning routine. I'm like, <laughs> I, you know, I'm not, it's not going to sound like I'm a successful entrepreneur. Cause I wake up, I'm like, uh, <laughs> I get some coffee. I watch an episode of my soap opera and they're like, Hmm, not motivating for our listeners. Like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's, that's what I get to do. And, you know, early uh, in January of 2022, I'm moving up to Mammoth to ski for like six weeks. I got a condo and I'm just going to take all my stuff and move up there, but I'm still going to be working, I'm so, but I'm going to work around the ski schedule. I'm going to work from a location I want to work from. That to me is freedom. And that's, you know, like you said, it's, it's the time freedom. And I feel like we forget about that. 
And people are like, I want financial freedom, but they haven't actually put thought into what does that really look like? Cause I will tell you after getting it, like getting my time freedom, I don't think there's words to describe the joy that it can bring to be able to say yes to someone who wants to go get lunch or to go live in mammoth for six weeks to ski or to sleep in my biggest joy in life is sleeping in like <laughs> not that I'm sleeping till two, but you know, like I wake up when my body wants to wake up and that tiny little thing is so joyful to me. Like, and that's, you know, when I feel like if people put more thought into what does this financial freedom goal of yours look like? I, I just feel like it, it would, what's the word compound the effort, if you will, because it, it is absolutely amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I love how you talk about sleep too. I do something similar. I don't necessarily sleep in, but I, whenever I lay down, I, I set my alarm for seven hours afterwards. So I make sure that I get my sleep. Ooh, so I don't, I don't necessarily I like care when, you know, when I get up, but I've got to get, make sure that I get yep. enough sleep. That's amazing. I like that. And yeah, my thing is like, I go to sleep when my body wants to go to sleep. And sometimes that might, I think I went to bed at three in the morning last night. I didn't want to go to bed at three in the morning, but that's when I got tired. When I go to bed, when my body gets tired and I wake up when my body, like, I just feel like physically, I think it's healthier mentally. I think it's healthier, all that. But like, again, our world's not set up for sleeping in at all. Yeah. Yeah. Not definitely not the corporate world. That's for sure. Now that you have coaching clients, what what are some of the biggest pain points you're hearing from them? I mean, do you have that discussion about financial freedom and time freedom with them? All the time. (laughs) Everyone's like, I want $5,000 in passive income. I'm like, (laughs) cool. Everybody does join the club. (laughs) Um, I would say, I mean, one of the obvious pain points for everybody in real estate investing is capital. Like, you know, if we all started with $5 million of capital, this would not be so complicated. You wouldn't have to get creative. You could just immediately get towards your passive income goals, whatever. Um, But interestingly enough, I would say not, I would say not nearly as many people come to me with a, how do I get capital question? Everyone starts with a financial freedom question, but the pain point that I feel like that most people come in with is overwhelm. Because if you type in how to be a real estate investor, you're going to have messages like rapid fire. Like you need to flip, you need to wholesale. Here's go to this guru seminar. Don't forget to do this. Oh, you should definitely do this. Oh, this sucks. Oh, you got to do that. And it's like, okay, I appreciate the internet, but at this point, so many people are talking on the internet that absolutely hands down the biggest pain point I keep running into with people is the over, there's too much information. It's like, okay, how do, and what happens is the overwhelm gets people really down because they're like, I can't, there's too much. And there's just, they're depleted. Like they can't reach one small goal because they can't even figure out what that stupid goal is, much less reach it. And so it's really the overwhelm that I is contributing and, you know, using financial freedom as an example. Okay. So you want $5,000 passive income a month. Okay. That is a, um, it's a broad goal. It's a great goal. Let's aim for that, but you got to bring it down because you can't usually go from zero to $5,000 in passive income overnight. And that's what people, that's, that's the message everyone's getting is I want to get to 5,000. Okay. Well, cool. Let's actually create this path to get there. And how are you going to get there? So yeah, hands down over. I mean, the, the startup capital really is the biggest crux of the problem, but actually, in um, when you're talking about how to conquer that problem, it's the overwhelm all day long. I feel like in today's day and age. 
Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like you can help them kind of focus and put a plan together so they're not so distracted because yeah. I think you're right. There's so much information out there that people, you know, they, they just get attracted to this shiny object and this yeah. podcast and this book. And they're like, oh, I just, you know, they just feel like they'd never know enough to take action. And maybe yeah. they never take action because of that. Yeah. And a lot of the, I don't want to call them gurus, but like a lot of the really successful investors, they, I feel like they often do talk about the pain points and like the actual real world kind of challenges of getting where they got or whatever. But for the most part, the messaging is such that, oh, well, if you, you know, house hack and this happens and, but it's, they kind of give the end goals without the reality of the path. Like you're an entrepreneur. I've been an entrepreneur for 10 years. The path of entrepreneurship is hell. <laughs> it's like, I could sit here and sound you know, like, I'm going to go ski in Mammoth for six weeks. And, you know, everything's rosy and rainbows and all that kind of stuff. No, I like, I wanted to propel myself off a cliff so many times over the last 10 years. And, you know, I feel like there's a lack of people talking about the, the hard stuff. And so when people get these pretty goals, if you will, because that's the messaging that's coming in. Number one, they don't actually know how to get there. And number two, they don't realize the challenges that are going to come up. Like, how do you actually navigate that? And so that's, you know, kind of, it's like working backwards and breaking down that path of, okay, how can we actually feasibly get there? And the other thing about financial freedom, there's no one path to financial freedom. That's, and this is true for real estate investing in general, regardless of how much you're trying to earn is your path is going to be unique to you. And that's what further complicates it because you can't listen to some guy named Joe and follow his exact path and reach it in the same way that Joe did. And that's what some of the, the people with courses are like, if you follow these 21 steps, it's just not how it works because everyone's got different resources. Everyone has different skills. Everyone has a different path, whether they know it or not. And you have to figure that out for yourself. You can't, there's just no one you can, you can't follow anyone identical. And so that's what I work with people a lot too, is like, okay, well, let's create this path for you. Because if you create it based on anyone else's, I would nearly guarantee it's not going to work just because you're not the same person as that, you know, skills, mindset, resources, all that kind of stuff is just different. So it's like, how do we make this unique to you in a way that can work for you? Turnkey rental properties. If you ask me, like when I was getting started in real estate, turnkeys is are a good option. I'd be like, now that's a super slow path to financial freedom. Like, why would I get involved in turnkeys? But turnkeys found me. Who am I? Like, it was an organic thing. It's like, stick with your strengths, stick with what works for you. And that will get you where you're going. Maybe not the obvious way, but you gotta, you gotta do what's true to you. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's no magic pill, even though a lot of people, exactly. like if you hear, you know, people, gurus, quote unquote, talk about it they kind of just pick one thing and they say you yeah. have to do this if you don't uh, invest in this type of crypto right now <laughs> you're 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 never going to be yep. financially free or if you don't invest yeah, in turnkey rentals or if you don't invest in syndications or if you don't invest in yeah. this then you're never going to be financially free but that's not true there's a there's a mm -hmm. unique path for everyone and it usually involves more than one yeah. type of investment oh and it, it's more than one type of investment and doing it in such a, because that is, it's the amazing thing. And the frustrating thing about real estate is there's so many different ways to do the same thing and you have to find the way that works for you. So it's like combining strategies, but also making those strategies your own. And, you know, the messaging that you're talking about, I've been fighting personally about Bitcoin, crypto, all that kind of stuff. Cause my brain is like, Oh my God, I need to be investing in that. But the other part of me is like, 
I know absolutely bupkis about that. I am so technology stupid. I'm like, I barely even understand what's happening right now. And so my, there's like a duel between the sides of my brain of like, yes, I need to be investing in crypto, but the other side's like, yo, you know, nothing. Like <laughs> I know nothing, nothing. And I'm not even interested in it. Like I am like, Ugh. so I've not invested in crypto, but you know, again, it's that battle, but we all get stuck with the messaging of what you should be doing. You should do this. And if you don't do this, then this, I'm like, oh my God, I should be doing that. I'm like, wait, oh, should I? Ooh, ah. <laughs> <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> I can't imagine why I drink wine. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Calm the nerves a little bit. Then maybe you can make a decision. <laughs> Let's talk about the other side of things. You know, what, what are some of the changes you've seen your clients once they've become financially free or have more time freedom? You know, I love this question because I think there's, there's one of my, I have a couple answers. One of my answers I feel like is a very profound kind of answer that I've seen in people uh, that speaks to kind of yet the broader picture. If you haven't figured out yet, I'm a total mindset person, like way more than the logistics. And that is that, well, on one hand, the changes that I have seen in people, they are a little more laid back. Um, brand new investors, which I work with a ton because turnkeys are great for brand new investors, are they stress about every single detail. They take everything as a red flag. It's like, ah, you know, this, like, ah. Uh. And they don't have the perspective usually of the long-term gain where, yes, you need to do your due diligence, do as best you can because not every property is gonna be profitable. You, you wanna try and mitigate against those things. But on the other hand, if we're talking down to the 17 cents a month in monthly cash flow difference because the tax estimate was off, you know, there's a long-term thing with rental. And I just speak for rental properties. I don't flip or any of that kind of stuff. So rental properties, there's such a long-term gain. They don't tend to see the bigger picture. So once someone gets to financial freedom, they're just less stressed about the small stuff that doesn't matter quite as much. And there's a laid back um, feeling and then just kind of a, just, more calm kind of thing, instead of worrying about every small, tiny thing in life. But the part that I've noticed that doesn't seem to change much, and this is kind of the bigger message I think, which is important, is the people don't really change that much. And I think, it, you know, I've always read the thing of like, <clears throat> if you're not happy in the journey, you're not going to be happy with the result. And I think that's very important to realize with financial freedom is because chances are, unless you're already a millionaire, you're not going to get to financial freedom overnight. And if you're so miserable during the journey, you're not suddenly going to be this happy, whatever person once you get there. And that's what I want to relay to people is that the people I've seen get there are still them. There's not really a big change other than being a little more calm and laid back and whatever. They're the same people then as they were before. And that that's the message I want to get across is like, yes, the journey can be stressful. Yes, it can whatever. But you know, you're still you and you want to find a way to be able to enjoy that journey. And that goes back to finding the strategies that make sense for you. If you're doing a strategy that you're terrible at and you hate just because someone yelled at you and said you should do it, trust me, you're not enjoying the journey. And chances are you're not going to get to financial freedom anyways, because you're either going to quit, you're going to goober it up because you're not good at it, you know, whatever. So it's, that's what I like to relay to people is who you are now is probably going to be mostly the same person you are after. So make sure that that's all kind of working cohesively, if that makes any sense. 
Yeah. Yeah. Just because you get to that goal at the end doesn't mean all your stresses are going to go away and you're yeah. going to be happy and wake up every day, you know, a, a better person and all this yeah. stuff. I mean, you still need to live your life and be who you yeah. are and figure out how to be happy, you know, in daily life, not just yeah. thinking, well, next year or 10 years from now, I'll be where I want to be and I'll be happier yeah. then. You probably won't be. <laughs> yeah. And because what if you don't hit the financial freedom? What if you work for 50 years just trying to get to financial freedom and then you'll be happy? Well, then you just lost 50 years, which kind of defeats the whole purpose. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, really like doing a self kind of check on that of, am I enjoying life now? Am I doing what I can? Am I enjoying the journey? Because it sounds dumb, but that, that's a huge part of it. Yeah. All right. Before we jump into the freedom floor, do you have one last gold nugget for our listeners? My, I feel like I'm a broken record because I say it all the time, but I think it's one of the biggest, my favorite phrase in life, the thing that I, that helped me a ton when I was getting started and helps me a ton every single day this quote goes through my head because it matters, which is don't take advice from someone you wouldn't trade shoes with. And I think it's kind of perfect timing to say, you know, exactly what we're talking about is everyone's going to be spouting off at you to, you know, do this, don't do that. Like you got to do this is don't take advice from someone you wouldn't trade shoes with. Because if some dude behind a suit who works nine to five is trying to tell you how to get financial freedom and live the life of your dreams, and he's hating his job, mm, you know, like, <laughs> that's this every day. Like, I mean, and it's not even just in real estate. Like, you know, I have friends give me who knows what advice. And I always kind of look at that person. Like, would I trade shoes with that person in this regard? Mm, no. Okay. Well maybe don't take the advice, but like, let's say someone who went from zero to complete financial freedom and is living the life of their dreams. And you ask them, you know, what's your advice? You might not think about taking it. You know, like, and that really is how, how I helped kind of sift through the overwhelm, you know, just weed out people I shouldn't be listening to anyways. But then my very first mentor in real estate, he had been traveling the world. He worked his own schedule. First time we met, he was in flip-flops and shorts, no laptop, no clipboard. Clipboard sounds, does that make me sound old? Do people still use clipboards? Oh my so. God. I don't know. I'm like... <laughs> I haven't heard clipboard in a very long time. Well, um, I'm old, so I don't, I don't, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> like they're probably writing on like iPads or I don't know. Um, but if he wanted to give me advice on lifestyle design, I'm in, I'm in. Right. And so that's, that's my kind of golden nugget is for me, at least it helps every single day in every aspect of my life, helping just sift through that overwhelm is don't take advice from someone you would not trade shoes with. Love that. Love that. All right. Let's jump into the freedom four. It's time for the Freedom Four. What's the best thing you do to keep your mind and body healthy? Oh, I love this. Uh, I was just thinking about this the other day, actually. So I go to the gym, I work out. So obviously that can keep my body healthy along with healthy food. But I, what did I, was I doing that? Oh, I did craniosacral. I, I don't know if a lot of people have heard it. It's kind of like Reiki. I feel like more people have heard of Reiki. And I also like, for example, I'll get massages or something. Uh, I, I've done a lot of Kundalini yoga, for example. And I feel like keeping your mind, I think your mind and your body are so closely related, like exercise can help with your mind anyways, but a lot of the stuff that's less physical, you know, making people always think about exercise to keep their body fit. You have to do stuff to keep your mind fit, whether that's meditation, watching, you know, binge watching Netflix, whatever, uh, will exercise your mind, whether that means relax it or enhance it. It's just like scheduling a physical workout. I think every week doing stuff to work on both of those things and a lot of those work together anyways, 
just making it a routine and not forgetting that it's not just physical working out, going to the gym. It's, you know, whatever else is going to help. Like craniosacral for me, I is great for my brain. It was so relaxing. I was like, Oh, I just have a clearer picture and being willing to do all that self-care stuff. And a lot of people think, Oh, well, you know, I, I don't have time for that. I shouldn't be doing that. But in reality, I think those things can really push you ahead. Yeah. For, for people that haven't tried some of that stuff. I mean, it, it really makes you a more productive person in yeah. general. Like you think that it's wasting time or something yep. like that. It's not, it's actually making you a more productive person. Whenever you. Yeah. It's like, if you can, way. if it would normally take you three hours to accomplish a task, but with a clear head and energy, you can do the same amount of work in an hour. You actually gained an hour, you know, like it, it, it's a backwards way of thinking of it, but it is accurate in my experience. Exactly. With all your success, what is one limiting belief that you've crushed along the way and how did you get past it? I, what's funny is I'm not past it. I'm crushing it. I have not crushed it. (laughs) I think about this very often, which is I grew up with a huge work ethic. Do, do, do. You got to do all this stuff to, to get the success. And I've realized over the, well, through the entrepreneurship journey, really, is while yes, there's a lot of doing, the doing is not always directly proportionate to the results. I've had phases where I've just gone, 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 crushed it, you know, forget about Reiki, you know, crush it every single hour, work, 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 and not gotten a lot of results. I've also had situations where I feel like I've been binging Netflix and all sorts of income are coming in. And so for me, it's been, again, former pilot engineer brain, do, do, do. If you need the airplane to do something, you follow this checklist, you do it, you have to do it. And I think there is a, an aspect of a lot of things where less doing can be more. And again, not to say suddenly binge Netflix every day of the week, <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a pendulum swing here, but for me, it's, I can get really stressed out about feeling like I need to do more when in reality, that's not actually what I need to do. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the same way, but that's good that you're aware of it and you can continually work on that. Yeah. I'll probably be working on that one until I go to my grave. (laughs) (laughs) It might be one of those. Yeah. (laughs) What's one actionable step our listeners can do right now to start creating more freedom? This is going to sound terrible or annoying. I think the first actionable step to get towards your goals or get towards financial freedom is to come up with an actionable step. And that annoying, <laughs> even, it even sounds annoying come out of my mouth. Um, but that's the thing is like, you know, the example of the overwhelm, people can't figure out what an action step is because there's just too much information. So that's an example of someone like my experience with people is that they can't come up with the first action step. And so like, maybe it's as simple as reread rich dad, poor dad, maybe it's read a book, maybe it's, um, you know, go on the MLS and learn how to run numbers. Maybe whatever the action step is, just start with it. Just because one step, it needs to be a small step. Just figure out what that is. It could be a whole myriad of things, but create the first action step would be my recommendation for an action step. Love it. Love it. Last but not least, how has passive income made your life better? I I told you I'm moving to Mammoth for six weeks to ski, right? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we kind of... We kind of hit on it. Like yeah. I go to body, I go to body, go to bed when my body wants to I wake up. That is a huge joy in my life. I get to structure my schedule any way I want. 
Um, just for me, I think the picking and the choosing of the activities and the scheduling and what I do with my life, where I work, where I live, like I live in Venice beach, which is not easy to commute to anywhere. And the minute I started working from home, I was like, I get to live in my dream city. And I couldn't do that when I was tied to a job. So just that freedom and the ability, I just, like I said earlier there, I really feel like there aren't words to properly convey how joyful that really is. Awesome. Awesome. Allie, you've been great today. We're going to listeners find out more about you. So I actually set up a link just for your listeners. So last year was my quarantine project. Last year, I put out my first book. It's called Not Your How-To Guide to Real Estate Investing, Life Lessons on Hacking Your Mind Before You Hack Your Wallet. And a lot of what we talked about today is in there. It's a it's more of a mindset book. Like I consider it kind of like a prerequisite to the other real estate investing books because most of them are like, well, here's how you flip. Here's how you do whatever. And it goes back to what we've been talking about is like, okay, let's get the mindset right. Like, how can you actually get into this world easier and more graceful with a little more excitement and really kind of find the strategy that works for you, all that kind of stuff. So I set up a link that, so my company's name is Hipster Investments. If you go to hipsterinvestments.com slash income attorney, one word, I set up where you can get a free digital copy of the book. And if you're like me and need something in your hand, there's a link to the Amazon link for, for paperback. Uh, but yeah, get a free digital copy of the book. And then once you do that, you'll have all my contact information. You can reach out anytime. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. We'll drop that yeah. in the show notes. Well, enjoy your long vacation in Mammoth. Uh, yeah. Looking forward to talking to you again soon. Yeah, for sure. Thanks again for having me. Thanks. Ladies and gentlemen, Allie Boone, love her spirit and attitude. See, you don't have to wake up at 5 a.m. to be successful. Major key talk to an expert, set some goals, make a winning plan to get there, execute, and don't get distracted. All right. If you're ready for a change and ready to take action, partner with us on our next passive real estate deal. Go to PassiveIncomeAttorney.com and join our Esquire Passive Investor Club. Until next time, folks, enjoy the journey. Thank you for listening to the Passive Income Attorney Podcast with Seth Bradley. Do you want more ideas on how to generate multiple streams of passive income? Then jump over to PassiveIncomeAttorney.com for show notes and resources. Then apply for the private Facebook community by searching for the Passive Income Attorney on Facebook. And we'll see you on the next episode.